1: All right, America, I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I am here 17 floors above Madison Square Garden right here in New York City. And the Democrats are burning down America. They started in Louisville, Kentucky last night as the verdict came in from the grand jury that they're not going to be charging police officers in the shooting death of Breonna Taylor. And so commenced the looting, the rioting, and two cops being shot. As the lying media typically portrays it, they said that peaceful protesters, quote unquote peaceful protesters, have taken to the streets in protest to a drug dealer that shot at the police and put his girlfriend's life in danger when the cops shot back at him. I understand there's a lot of people out there that say, hey, you know what? If somebody comes into my house unannounced, I'm shooting at them too. But guess what? This idea of no-knock warrants, they've been around for a long time, and quite frankly, whether it was or it wasn't, the cops don't typically sneak into your house. There's witnesses that said the police announced themselves. So whether it's banging down your door and screaming police or whatever, if they're not shooting at you and you start shooting, there's a good chance they're going to shoot you back. But these guys have taken it a step further with the violent agitators in Louisville taking a new step, hurling Molotov cocktails at groups of police in riot gear. And much worse, actually taking shots at the cops. Listen to this. On, Shoot it. Shoot it, dick You're aiming a gun at somebody it. What are you doing, Shoot it, What are you, are you doing? Shoot
0: it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What, are you the what the do? Do? You know what you're doing that right now, yeah. Shoot down? it, bitch. Oh, you oh, don't you, do no. do now,
1: you, no. you You a coward,
0: bitch. You a coward, You a coward,
1: I'm not kidding. Even the, their own people were shocked. they blasting at the police. They were freaking out. Taunting the police to get in their face and shoot them. Then they turn around and start shooting at the cops. You can't make this stuff up. But that's what's going on. The leftist, he who embraces being a violent agitator, doesn't embrace the principles of the free market or of liberty. They really don't. They believe in the government. They believe that the government should provide for everybody and that it's these government inequities that are ruining their lives. Some think there's too much government, and I might agree with them on that point. But what they fail to realize is that the government didn't build America. Bureaucrats don't build businesses. Politicians don't produce jobs. It's we the people that use the free market to build America through our blood, our sweat, our tears. America is a land blessed by God. Right now we're seeing the worst in humanity. And I'm hoping that that sparks a rise in the best of humanity as we unite as Americans in November and elect President Trump for another four years so that he can take care of the situation. Or better yet, apply enough political pressure so that the people that are supposed to take care of the situation actually do. Governors and mayors in these blue states that are allowing their states to be destroyed. It's my hope that Attorney General Barr and the rest of the Department of Justice are going to bring charges, federal civil rights charges, compelling these governments to do their job to protect their citizens. But sadly, these radical progressives, they fight like hell to destroy any love for our country. They hate the free market. They hate the idea of God. I always call out AOC, all out crazy. Because something I mentioned last week on The Levin Show, if you heard this on The Levin Show, I'm just going to repeat it for those who missed it, something I've noticed is that I never hear AOC thank God for anything, let alone thank God for America. When was the last time you heard her even talk about people as winners? She always positions you as a loser, as the victim. When have you ever heard her communist sympathizing grandpa, Bolshevik Bernie Sanders, thank God for the Industrial Revolution? Or shoot, just thank God for anything in America, period. Never. The truth is that the Marxists just can't rely on God as all provident. Because that liberates one's mind and soul and body to be free. When your rights are inalienable because they're given to you by God and not the government, the Marxists can truly never control you. Because their all-powerful government, their religion of the state, can't compete with God-given rights. God is the biggest threat to Karl Marx's theory of communism. And that's why they want to burn things down. That's why guys like Hawk Newsom, the, I'm going to call him a pseudo-BLM person, because BLM denounced him, went on Fox News and told Martha McCallum that he was going to burn it down. That's why the Bernie bros that were caught on tape by Project Veritas, when they said, if Bernie doesn't win, they're going to start in Milwaukee at the Democrat convention and burn it down. And guess what? We moved to a Zoom conference, right? The Democrat convention was done on Zoom. Otherwise, these guys would have burned it down. But there were five people that attended. And even then, they were faking the people that attended on Zoom. You could look that up, in case that one got by you. At first, I thought that was a joke too. Their entire job as Marxists, as anarchists, is to destroy what is. You and me, we look at the government and we say, hey, let's keep the government over there and our personal lives over here, but we thank God for America. We thank God for the blessings that America offers. But the Marxists can only thrive in strife through peddling inequity amongst people. Income inequality, healthcare inequality, you name it. They'll find a way to paint an inequality to get you against another person. Pitting one group versus another group, that's what they do. The rich versus the poor. The proletariat versus the bourgeoisie the employee versus the owner, black versus white, gay versus straight. The truth is that these collectivists, Marxists, their thinking isn't really thinking at all. It limits you from the bottom of your heart to have a free thought. You can't think outside of the box. You can't be free because you're chained inside the prison walls of collectivist thinking. How can you come up with an idea? An earth-changing idea if you're shackled by bureaucratic BS. You can't. So if they keep it up, those that benefit from corruption, having their thugs riot and terrorize communities across America to keep people in fear, they're eventually gonna pay a price. Look no further than Hong Kong to see that people will risk their lives to resist tyranny, just like the United States did in its early history. And this isn't specific to just Louisville. They brought the drama in Brooklyn last night the same way. We're right here in New York City, right over the Brooklyn Bridge, the Barclays Center. Chaos. Chanting, "Burn it down, burn it down." Listen to this. <laughs> So they're trying to torch everything. They're trying to shut it down. They're trying to burn it down. That's what they believe in. Burning it down. This is what the communists believed. This is how they did it. And I hate to always revert back to that. But it's the truth and we need to recognize it for what it is. The National Guard is now deployed in Louisville. Move it over to Seattle. An Antifa member hits a cop in the head with a metal bat. Rioters set fire to a police station in St. Louis. And they finally arrested the suspect that shot at the two cops. This is a gross political miscalculation by the Democrats who are pretty much silent on the issue. Joe Biden doesn't come out and say, hey, we need peace, slow it down. He's hoping and thinking and really holding his fingers crossed behind his back that people are going to look at the chaos and the carnage and they're going to say, this is all Trump's fault. I think it's a political miscalculation. I think he's wrong. I think people are going to look at him as weak, an absentee? That's why you had Obama coming out saying, this is bigger than Joe. This is bigger than Joe. Of course it's bigger than Joe, because Joe sucks. They want another Obama, and instead they got a Biden. Joe El Baboso Biden, and he definitely can't cut it. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This is America. This is America.
0: He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez.
1: All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all the social media at Rich Valdez with an S. That's Parler, a great free speech platform on Rumble, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on Twitter at Rich Valdez with an S. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear you chime in on this conversation. Let me know what's on your mind. Now, sticking to the facts is so important. And just like you always hear me talk about JustFacts.com, I like to aggregate content from different places, and that's why I go to PolitiWeek.com. On PolitiWeek.com, we aggregate content from all over the place, like OAN and other places that give you the news the way it is, the solid facts. So check out PolitiWeek.com, P-O-L-I-T-I-W-E-E-K.com, PolitiWeek.com, for everything that's going on in Washington and with national news. Now, speaking of national news, Nancy Pelosi may have ruffled a few feathers. Now, okay, I know she's used to ruffling feathers, but I think she may have ruffled a few new feathers because her counterpart, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, well, he just threatened to put forward a motion to remove Pelosi as Speaker if she tries to push for an unconstitutional impeachment again. Now, it may be too little too late, but I haven't heard him get tough like this before, so it was exciting for me to say, you know what, the Republicans are finally taking some political risk. Instead of politically playing it safe, which is, I think, I'm going to call that the McConnell method, which is what's happened in Congress for so long. I think you need Tea Party types. I think you need Trumpian types, Trumpers, MAGA people, whatever you want to call them. People that are going to say, I don't give a damn. I'm going to do this because it's right. And that's what you need. But listen to what Kevin McCarthy had to say. Check this out. And I'll make you this one promise. Listening to the speaker
0: on television this weekend. If she tries to move for an impeachment based upon the president following the Constitution, I think there'll be a move on the floor to have her no longer or the question of her being speaker. She may think she has a quiver. We do, too. We believe everybody in Congress puts the raises their hand and swears to uphold the Constitution. The president did, too, and that's what he's following through on. And to thank for one moment that they would move
1: impeachment because he's following the Constitution, we will take the movement to remove her from speakership. So the Republicans aren't playing. They're coming out of the gate swinging. And good for them. Because America needs a solid party that's willing to fight. And they've got one in the Democrats. They're willing to fight. They're willing to cheat. They're willing to break the rules. They're willing to do whatever they have to do to maintain power. And the only way to beat someone like that is going to be with the same level of commitment, the same level of tenacity that they have, and some creativity so that you can still stay within the confines of the law, unlike the Democrats. But that's how these guys roll. And some of that out-of-the-box thinking comes from Mike Bloomberg. You've seen this guy bankroll him and George Soros as well. These guys with really deep pockets and big bank accounts, they've bankrolled quite a bit of political activity. Whether it's trying to take away your big gulp to reduce sugar consumption, whether it's trying to limit the amount of bullets in your magazine and eventually maybe even take away guns or at least severely limit the amount of freedom that you have under the Second Amendment. This is what Mike Bloomberg does in his free time with all his billions of dollars. And now he's getting with some of his athlete buddies and figuring, hey, how can we get more voters? Because all these people that work, they want to vote for Trump because Trump has allowed them to earn more money. And this is no lie. About 10 minutes ago, before I jumped on the mic, I got a text message of a buddy of mine. He sends me a picture of him holding a stack of $100 bills. I think he had about five G's in his hand. And he said, man, I just made these five G's in the last week and a half. I love my president. This is a dude that's born in Chile, became an American, raised by Cubans, Hispanic all the way, loves America and made a pit stop along the way in high school and after high school to go sell crack cocaine on a street corner with a gun in his uh, waist belt. By no means did he have a privileged upbringing. Does he have any type of white privilege? But he turned his life around, and he's thankful for Trump. So there's so many like him all across America. People that are working, people that realize how serious the economy was before it was forcibly shut down by Democrats in big blue states. And the Democrats know that. So now they're looking for new people. And they're like, man, hmm. Trump did that whole First Step Act, and that's allowing him to make serious inroads with African Americans in terms of voting. He's taken issues that the Hispanic community hold close to heart. He's taken those issues seriously. The white community, building in America, factory work. He's listened to the people. And with that said, he's winning people over. He's winning the hearts and minds of Americans, coast to coast. So what do the Democrats do with this problem? They figure out, man, if Trump has the First Step Act, we've got to do something to bribe somebody to see if we can get them on our side. So Mike Bloomberg calls LeBron James. He gets with his buddy, Obama, whomever, all the people that are in this little group, and they say, hey, how are we going to figure out how to get more votes? Let's start a nonprofit that says we're going to pay people's fines off so that they can vote. And while that sounds charitable, and benevolent, it may in fact be illegal as well because Mike Bloomberg's been referred to the Florida Attorney General and to the FBI for criminal investigation after he pledged to pay felons fines so they can vote in an apparent attempt to boost Biden. And this is by Ryan Savidra, dailywire.com. Check this out. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody reported that she sent the letter to the FBI and the Florida Department of Law referring Michael Bloomberg for further investigation. Bloomberg's raised more than $16 million to help convicted felons pay off their debts in an attempt to help Joe Biden. Her letter references Florida's statute against paying for votes, referencing a Florida Department of State finding that even an otherwise innocuous offering of an incentive simply to vote can run afoul of state election law. Interesting. So This was originally reported by the Washington Post, And they're paying off the fines and court fees of 32000 black and Hispanic. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick
0: GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500 or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade.
1: Florida voters, so they have no white felons in Florida, apparently, according to this. Now, one of Bloomberg's advisors told the Washington Post, quote, Bloomberg wanted to do this because it immediately activates tens of thousands of voters who are predisposed to vote for Joe Biden. Now, Congressman Matt Gates, also from Florida, he's been making the rounds on the media. He's saying, hey, where there's smoke, there's fire, and we got to check this out. Nothing that the Democrats does surprises me. It really doesn't. In politics in general, I don't get surprised by too many of these crazy things. However, if I had to guess, I would say that nothing is going to come of this. And not because he's rich and he's powerful or anything like that. Just because I think while there may be a sinister motive behind it or not, a charity that helps people pay off fines so they can vote isn't inherently evil in the eyes of most people. They're going to have to prove that they did it specifically to target people by race and specifically people that only would vote for Biden. And they may be able to prove that. And I think even then, maybe a fine... A slap on the wrist, a warning, open it up to everybody. Let's get the white felons involved. Let's get the Asian felons involved. Anybody else that may have a felony conviction, you have to make this available to everybody or don't. And maybe not even. I mean, there are things out there like the United Negro College Fund. They raise money to give scholarships to people. Now, different, yes, I understand. Has nothing to do with voting. And that's the angle they're taking here. But I think. A case can be made. So let's see what happens. Again, maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, you can call me out on it at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on Twitter at Rich Valdez on Facebook at Rich Valdez, wherever you want. And let me know I was wrong, but right now this is still up in the air. So let's see how this unfolds. Now up next, I want to put a pin in a thought that I had, which I thought we'd went over, but there seems to be some pushback that I got from the audience and others on social media. So I want to just address a couple of quick ideas with respect to what happened on Friday with the Trump administration's announcement that they're going to be investing in infrastructure on the island of Puerto Rico. So keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This is America. This is America. Bienvenido, America. I am Rich Valdez, El Conservador. And I wanted to share with you a couple of points that I had. Uh, if you listened again, like I said, I, I went over this on The Mark Levin Show, and I even talked about it in the last podcast, right before this one. But there was some pushback to that, and there's been some new developments. So I want to reiterate something, and it has really nothing to do with Puerto Rico and more to do with liberty and federalism. But that being said, we're going to use Puerto Rico as the context. So somebody pushed back on me. I think it was on Parlor on an article that I shared regarding the Puerto Rican government requesting that the Department of Justice approve their plebiscite ballot question so that they can apply for statehood, being that there's been three referendums already. That means the people have voted three times. And the last one, 97% of the people that voted, a 97% plurality of we the people, opted for statehood. And this is complicated, so I'm going to try and take it step by step, but I don't want to bore you. I really want to get to the crux of it, which again is federalism and liberty. But this person tells me they're disappointed in me for my defense of statehood for Puerto Rico. And that tells me that they didn't listen to what I said on the Mark Levin show or what I said in this previous podcast. So to her, I say this too bad. For 20 years, I've been on the issue of statehood for Puerto Rico, and it's been a part of the Republican Party's platform for at least 40 years. Reagan was for statehood. I don't think the Republican Party nor me are going anywhere. Plus, President Trump is pro-statehood. The issue here isn't the status of statehood, it's political timing. My instincts tell me that the president will see statehood as the best deal to get return on investment for all of the federal investment in infrastructure that's being made. As a territory, the island can get aid, but it has no requirements or very few to send money back into the federal treasury the way the states do. So when pharmaceutical companies are raking in the dough on Puerto Rico, I can see President Trump, like he did with everything else since he's been president, correcting the deficit, right? Correcting the trade imbalance, the trade deficit, or making more things more fair like he did with NATO when he said, hey, nobody's paying their fair share. We're paying the bulk of it and we don't need this protection. He's very logical. Hence, His Puerto Rico-specific ad that came out yesterday is so telling of this. There's no guarantee that this will happen, but it wouldn't surprise me in the least if it did. What I find most surprising about the handful of Republicans that are repeating the AOC talking points against statehood, or the Mitch McConnell talking points of getting two Democrat senators from Puerto Rico and comparing it to D.C., it's disappointing, and honestly it has no basis in the facts. Now, another woman on Parler, or Twitter, told me that Puerto Rico first has to get its act together before it approaches statehood. And I think to myself, why? Where's that in the Constitution? You tell me if you're supposed to take a shower, put on a suit, pay all your bills, pay off your mortgage before you go vote. Are your rights limited as an American citizen? No, of course not. So let me be crystal clear here. Statehood is not a reward irrespective of the nomenclature, Puerto Rico is America. Contrary to what AOC and her all-out crazy comments, America is not in the business of colonizing territories. Our system of federalism literally prevents that and gives states sovereignty so that our federal or central government can't lord over them. So in the words of Joe Biden man, really? I'm going to read you the statehood statement on the 2016 Republican platform. We support the right of the United States citizens of Puerto Rico to be admitted to the union as a fully sovereign state period. We further recognize the historic significance of the 2012 local referendum in which 54% A majority voted to end Puerto Rico's current status as a U.S. territory, and 61% chose statehood over options for sovereign nationhood. That was rejected. We support the federally sponsored political status referendum authorized and funded by an act of Congress in 2014 to ascertain the aspirations of the people of Puerto Rico. Once the 2012 local vote for statehood is ratified, Congress should approve an enabling act with terms for Puerto Rico's future admission as the 51st state of the union. That's in black and white on the 2016 Republican platform. It's an official policy position. And it has been for decades. It honestly predates Reagan. And it's because Republicans have always believed in federalism. Republicans have always believed in smaller government Republicans have always believed in liberty not this constant state of limbo which Puerto Rico got stuck in for several reasons one of which when they became a commonwealth which was an inaccurate status and was recently deemed uh, unconstitutional a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago they created the wrong status the correct status would have just been a territory of the United States which it is and always has been but with no special privilege of commonwealth status. It's just nomenclature. And again, I don't want to get into the weeds on this because this stuff is really perfunctory. It doesn't make a difference in the outcome. That we have the actual votes that were taken. Three referendums were held by we the people three separate times. Plus the fact that people actually leave the island of Puerto Rico and go vote on the mainland and they maintain a residence in Florida, oftentimes in Orlando, just so that they can go and vote because they can't vote in their own backyard, and this is why so much attention is currently being paid to the central Florida vote because there's so many Puerto Ricans there seventy six percent of Republican voters who are Puerto Rican in the swing districts of Central Florida support the statehood eighty five percent of voters that identify as Puerto Rican Americans in these swing districts of central Florida rank statehood for Puerto Rico as a top priority issue. This is why Trump cut a campaign ad. And to quote the president, there are 3.7 million American citizens living in Puerto Rico. As citizens, they should be entitled to determine for themselves their political status. And that's President Donald J. Trump. Every U.S. president from Harry Truman to Donald Trump has stated that Puerto Rico should have the political status preferred by its people. And that's happened. And the American citizens of Puerto Rico, both living on the island and living on the mainland, overwhelmingly agree that statehood is their preferred status. The matter at hand isn't whether Puerto Rico should become a state or not. The question is, should we do it right now or not? And there's a lot more that goes into that, should we, part of it. Think of how every president since Reagan said they would move the American embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, where it belongs. That's always been the right thing to do. There's no question whether it was right or wrong. Israel has a right to have their embassy wherever they want to have it, or to allow the United States to put their embassy wherever they'll allow it in Israel. It was always a question of political timing, and no one other than Trump El Trumpito, El Presidente, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th President of the United States. Nobody had the courage to do it but him. And he did it because it was right. Simply because it was right, irrespective of political timing. So with respect to Puerto Rico, the holdup lies in the Department of Justice approving their ballot question so that the American citizens residing in Puerto Rico, who voted not once, not twice, but three times with the most recent, again, being 97% of Puerto Ricans in that vote opted for statehood. This doesn't change a whole lot of everything. And I think that's the part people don't get. This doesn't mean that all of a sudden Puerto Rico becomes a part of America. They already are a part of America. Yet some people like to drink that AOC Kool-Aid, saying that Puerto Rico gets more federal dollars than any other state, and that this is unprecedented. It's not unprecedented. Nothing that so many people are saying right now is accurate. There is precedent in Hurricane Katrina federal spending, $120 billion. There's precedent in Hurricane Sandy federal spending, billions of dollars. In fact, Puerto Rico as a territory gets less federal aid than California, than Texas, than Florida, and less than New York. Not to mention that Puerto Rico was hit by two hurricanes back to back and a series of earthquakes. All of this ravaging this small island, unlike any of the other regions I just mentioned. So the real bottom line here is not being a state or not being a state or to be a state or not be a state. The fact that they're not a state actually limits how much money Puerto Rico contributes back to the federal treasury. If it were a state, it would be more reciprocal. Financially, Puerto Rico benefits from its territory status. Statehood is the smart thing to do, especially given President Trump's move to restore infrastructure on the island and bring industry there. Statehood is the best return on investment, and it's most consistent with our principles of liberty that we glean from the Constitution and the history of other territories like Oklahoma, New Mexico, Alaska, and Hawaii, which all became states, and there was no issue. So to those saying that, oh, but it's going to guarantee them two seats, listen, there is absolutely no guarantee That's somebody making a political prediction, but there's no guarantee. And again, has no basis in the facts, no basis in fact whatsoever. Matter of fact, I can argue the opposite. There's one member of Congress that comes out of Puerto Rico and sits in Washington, D.C. And that one person is a Republican that supports Trump in D.C. All Democrats always have been Democrats. Not the case in Puerto Rico. It just simply isn't. Here's a fact, has DC ever had a Republican mayor in the last five, ten years? No, Puerto Rico has. They're Speaker of the House too. So I, I invite you to ask yourself this. Why would you side with AOC instead of solid conservatives like President Reagan, Governor Ron DeSantis, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, and so many others that support statehood for Puerto Rico? Do a little research. Constitutionally, D.C. can never become a state without a constitutional amendment. It's a non-starter. Historically, the GOP has always supported statehood for Puerto Rico. So just because Mitch McConnell sides with AOC on this doesn't mean that the rest of us have to abandon our principles of liberty and federalism just for political expediency. Right is always right, irrespective of the political outcome. That's literally the same weak argument that the left keeps making against President Trump picking a Supreme Court justice nominee. They're afraid of the political outcome, so they reject the Constitution. No thanks. I hear lots of things from a lot of people. One woman who claimed to be a doctor was telling me that, well, the thing is, if Puerto Rico becomes a state, this would affect the amount of illegals coming out of Puerto Rico. And I thought to myself, how does changing one's status... Like becoming 17 to 18, let's just say, you know, being 17 years old and being old enough now at 18 to to, uh, vote and many other things. How does that change how illegal aliens would enter or exit the island of Puerto Rico when it's already part of America? You don't need a passport to get in. You don't need a passport to get out. Changing it to a state would just mean they're going to pay more taxes to the federal government so that they can participate in more federal programs. I don't get it. It's just like visiting Florida, Alaska, Hawaii, or the U.S. Virgin Islands. This status change won't change the Americanness of Puerto Rico, but it will allow the American citizens living in Puerto Rico to live up to their Americanness, allowing free citizens to vote on their future, giving them greater electoral access, because that's what being an American is all about. Chew on that for a little bit. Hasta la proxima, America. Until next time, if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. That's Hamilton and Burke. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So stand up for what's right. That's all I got. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America.